Welcome. You are listening to Liberty Solutions Now. On this show, we'll address the topics of natural law, consciousness, mind control, the occult, and everything else that is related to freedom on Earth. Liberty Solutions Now will take a look at what is truly going on around us and within us in order to offer powerful, grassroots solutions to the biggest problems we are experiencing. Now here is your host, Justin Bauman. All right, welcome to the show. My name is Justin Bauman, and this is Liberty Solutions Now. My website is libertysolutionsnow.com. Today is Sunday, December 12th, 2021. Before we get into the show, I wanted to personally thank Mark Passio for inspiring me to get the show started. Without him, I wouldn't have a lot of the knowledge that I have, and the show probably would have never happened. For those of you that don't know, Mark recorded a podcast series called What on Earth is Happening that I highly recommend. You can find it on his website, whatonearthishappening.com. All right, let's get into it. I'm going to make this show a little different from what I'm seeing a lot of in the truth movement. Especially after the events of 2020, it has become abundantly clear to a lot of people, even the ones only partially aware, what the biggest problems are that humankind faces. So much of the content produced by those in what's called the alternative media, though, still only focuses on symptoms. That is, what the specific problems are themselves. And there seems to be a new flavor of problems every day they can talk about. They have an incentive to do this as well. Clickbait titles and thumbnails are what get the most views, and for those that still have their content on big tech platforms, such as YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, this is what will maximize income if the videos are monetized. My goal with this show is not to make money. My primary goal and central focus is to deliver a message that is easy to understand and maximize the impact of it. Going back to media outlets, although it is helpful to bring awareness to the biggest problems we face, once we already are aware of them, dwelling on them by keeping our focus there quickly becomes counterproductive and harmful. A lot of those that would consider themselves a part of the truth movement are currently stuck in this trap. We can paralyze ourselves in fear and endlessly talk about the prison cell we're in and all the ways in which we're losing our freedom. Doing this alone, though, will not get us out of the cell. This is all the mainstream media talks about, and even a lot of the alternative media. But there is more that needs to be done to get out. After noting the problems, we must thoroughly understand the nature of the cell and how it's constructed. Then we devise the plan to get out. The final step is to execute the plan and take action. The goal of the show is to give the foundational knowledge necessary to understand the cell well enough to clearly see the power and importance of the solutions we'll be talking about later on. I may bring up current events occasionally, but when I do, it will only be for the purpose of teaching something or illustrating some larger point. I will never bring up current events for no reason. This show is going to be a deep dive into the root causes of our problems. It will go places a lot of other shows wouldn't ever dare to go for fear of offending their audience. The order in which the information in the show appears is very deliberate. That being said, I highly, highly recommend that you listen to every episode in order and don't skip around. If you do this, there will be gaps in your knowledge, and as a result, you won't be able to adequately grasp concepts presented in future shows. Remember, only once you understand the deepest root causal factors can you fully grasp the solutions and truly understand the importance of implementing them. So who am I? My name is Justin Bauman, and I've spent nearly my entire life trying to figure out what is happening on this planet. Why is the world the way it is? Who are we? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Where are we going? These are all examples of questions I've been asking myself for a very long time. 
It has been only through insatiable intellectual curiosity, a willingness to learn, and a tremendous amount of pain and suffering that I've come to deeply understand what I'll be presenting on the show. I want to start by giving a broad overview of some of the most important topics we'll be covering on the show for the foreseeable future. Suffering. Why does it exist? What is the nature of it? Truth. What is truth? Does it exist? Why is it important? Can we come to know it? If so, how? The human brain. Why is it crucial to understand our own brains? How do they work? How does understanding this help us? Consciousness. What is it? How does it determine the quality of our lives? The occult. What is the occult? Is this something evil? Evil is what a lot of people think when they hear the word, but is it really? Mind control. Is this actually happening on Earth, or is it a fiction? I'll give you a hint. It's not. Freedom. What does it mean to be truly free? How can freedom be sustained? Slavery. This is the state of the planet currently. Why is it in this state? What perpetuates this, and how do we change it? The nature of evil. Does evil exist? If so, what is it and what is it not? Religion. What is religion? What purpose does it serve? Health. What does it mean to be a good health? What contributes to good health? And what contributes to bad health? Natural law. What is natural law? Is this referring to Darwin's survival of the fittest theory? Is it a natural law like the law of gravity? We're going to find out. Government. What exactly is this institution? What are its true intentions? How and why did it come to be? Morality. Is morality subjective or is it objective? Can we as humans just arbitrarily decide what is moral or immoral? Or is morality determined by something outside of ourselves? So let's get into the first topic. So the million dollar question everyone wants to know is why do we suffer? The answer is very simple. Some would say it's absurdly simple and cannot possibly be the case, but it is. The reason why we suffer is directly caused by the inability to see truth or the refusal to accept the truth and as a result, live out of alignment with it. What is truth? The truth is simply what is. The truth is just what exists in nature. There are a lot of spiritual teachers that will try to make it more complicated than that or will try to make up a woo-woo spiritual definition, but it's not any more complicated than how I just defined it. Let's take a simple example to illustrate the point that this is what causes suffering. Let's say there is a very hot pan on a stovetop with a burner turned on. The objective truth is if you touch the very hot pan, you will burn your hand. Now let's say you're a very young child with very limited life experience that doesn't know anything about the nature of very hot pans. So you touch the pan and you immediately burn your hand. In this scenario, through ignorance, your inability to see the truth about what the hot pan would do if you touched it caused you pain and suffering. Now let's say before you could touch the hot pan, your parents strongly advise you to not touch the hot pan because it will burn your hand and it will hurt, but you do it anyway and hurt yourself. In this second alternate scenario, it was your refusal to accept the truth about the nature of the pan that caused you pain and suffering. So if what causes pain and suffering is the inability or refusal to accept the truth and then living out of alignment with it, then the opposite would prevent pain and suffering. So this means recognizing and seeing the truth and living in alignment with it is what will prevent the pain and suffering. 
So in a third scenario, you may see the hot pan and either by learning from a past negative experience or listening to your parents, you leave the pan alone and don't get burned. Here, you recognize the truth about what a hot pan would do if you touched it. And by not touching the hot pan, put yourself in alignment with the truth that keeping your hands to yourself will prevent you from burning your hands. Some of you may be thinking, this is such a silly example, everyone knows this. It's common sense. To that, I would say, first of all, common sense isn't so common anymore. But jokes aside, there are scenarios more convoluted where it is more difficult to recognize the truth and live in alignment with it. What makes the truth difficult or even impossible to recognize for someone has to do with that person's level of consciousness. Before I go too deep into talking about consciousness, I want to briefly talk about what has been called the greatest deception by some teachers. It is a deception so powerful and so destructive that if you buy into it, you're completely stuck exactly where you are. There is no chance to grow or evolve in any way that is positive. In fact, it ensures de-evolution, moving backwards. It's a belief that only ever leads to greater and greater levels of suffering. This belief is called solipsism. Solipsism is the belief that there is no such thing as truth, and even if there was, there's nothing you could do to come to know it. Your own perception alone is what reality is. There's nothing else that exists outside of your perception. There are many New Age teachers and atheists that subscribe to this. Subscribing to this belief alone immediately puts your mind into a cage right from the start and then throws the key away. The reason why is because if you have this belief, there is nothing to learn or discover. It also puts you into a position where manipulators can have their way with you because you will just automatically believe whatever they can get you to perceive. People believe if there's no truth that is obvious to them right now, and they don't see a way they can seek it out, then it must not exist. This is exactly what the manipulators of the world want you to think, because you are easy prey this way. I'm not a big advocate of faith or belief in the religious sense, because what we're really after in the show is gnosis, which is knowing. However, belief is required during one part of the journey to answer life's biggest questions, and that is at the very beginning. You have to believe that there may in fact be such a thing as objective truth. You have to also believe that it is possible to discover the truth. Then, later on, if you discover truths about the nature of reality, you don't need the beliefs anymore, and you can throw them out because you'll have something more valuable. You'll have knowledge. You'll have gnosis. These two prerequisite beliefs here are simply a tool, like how paddles are a tool used to move a boat across a lake. Once you've reached your destination, on the other side of the lake, you no longer need your paddles, so you can leave them with the boat and continue your journey on foot. Now back to the topic of consciousness. A person's level of consciousness is what determines whether they can see and accept the truth and prevent unnecessary self-inflicted suffering. You can substitute the word awareness in there for consciousness if that makes more sense to you. I personally use them interchangeably. Consciousness can be defined in a number of ways, but when I use it, it will be defined as the ability to recognize patterns and assign meanings to them. A person with higher consciousness will be able to recognize more patterns and understand the meanings of them relative to someone with lower consciousness. Imagine you take your car to a mechanic because you suspect there may be something wrong with the engine. Due to the training car mechanics receive, 
he or she has the knowledge and ability to fix your car engine and does it. You had to take your car to the mechanic to begin with, presumably because you lack the knowledge and thus the ability to take the proper actions to fix your own car. In this case, in the subject of cars, the mechanic has a higher level or degree of consciousness or awareness than you. Without the mechanic, you would have been stuck with the broken engine and would have suffered as a result because you wouldn't have the ability to use your car to go from place to place. Going back to what I said about truth as well, the mechanic recognized the truth and the components involved in a car engine, how a car engine is put together and works, and took action in alignment with that knowledge slash truth. This is what allowed the mechanic to fix your car. Without this truth recognition and aligned action, your car would have never been fixed. Truth recognition and alignment with that truth not only prevents pain and suffering, like what I described in the hot frying pan example, it is also what creates order. In this case, this is a functional car engine that allows you to transport yourself from place to place. I'll get into a lot more detail about this in future episodes. A big mistake the New Age movement makes when talking about consciousness is downplaying the role of knowledge. There are teachers even saying that knowledge plays no role at all in elevated consciousness at all. This couldn't be further from the truth. Your level of consciousness isn't just about how well you can meditate or develop your intuition, although these things are still important too. What they talk about is only half the equation though. Intellectual knowledge is critical for expanding your awareness. I just proved this in the car mechanic example I just gave. I'm not saying we all need to become car mechanics, but everyone needs to have a high level of awareness in regards to what is actually happening in the world at a mass scale so we can take proper action. Truth's relationship with suffering can also be seen in other areas of life, including health. A lot of people are aware that they do not have the level of consciousness or knowledge necessary to heal a disease that they have all on their own. And this is why they go to doctors when they get sick. They perceive the doctor as having a higher level of consciousness than they do in the form of advanced knowledge on health that could help them heal. If a doctor possesses this, then he or she has the ability to take the correct actions in alignment with the truth of how the body works to restore the patient's health. In both the mechanic and doctor examples, the layman, that is the person getting their car fixed, and the person getting treated by the doctor, without any help from experts, would have failed to recognize the truth of the subject in concern, would have failed to take proper action in alignment with the truth, and would have failed to get a desired result, which was a fixed car or restored health, and therefore suffering would have taken place in different forms. Now in other contexts, the truth is even more hidden and difficult to see due to the degree of close observation, training, and occult knowledge required to see it. On top of that, not all truth can be understood strictly on an intellectual level. To understand better where this ability and refusal to accept the truth comes from, we'll first need to talk about the two polarities that exist in nature. A polarity is an aspect or trait of nature. These two polarities are called love and fear. Love is not like how it is depicted in Hollywood movies. All that is emphasized is romance and lust. This is an incorrect notion as to what it actually is. Love is the force that expands human consciousness. On the other hand, we have fear. Fear is the force that shuts down consciousness. It does the exact opposite of love. Ultimately, when the force of love rules, freedom, order, and prosperity manifest. 
when the force of fear rules, slavery, chaos, and then ultimately death on a mass scale manifests. We'll explore this a lot more deeply in future episodes. So what determines whether someone goes into a state of fear? We'll need to explore the human brain to answer this. There are three parts of the brain that need to be thoroughly understood. The first one is called the R-complex, or reptilian brain. The second is the mammalian brain, or midbrain. And the third is called the neocortex. Each of these parts serve different functions. The R-complex is the oldest part of the brain, evolutionarily speaking. The midbrain is built upon the R-complex, and the neocortex is built upon the midbrain, and that is the newest part of the brain to evolve in humans. The R-complex is the part of the brain responsible for what's called the fight-or-flight response, basic instincts, and carries out other unconscious and involuntary behaviors, like breathing and other motor skills. The fight-or-flight response can also be referred to as the fear response. The mammalian brain, limbic system, is responsible for providing emotional responses to stimulus. Lastly, the neocortex provides you the ability to think logically and abstractly, gives you sense perception and spatial reasoning. Having the neocortex is ultimately what makes us human and separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom. When someone is in a state of equilibrium, the neocortex serves as the central command center of the brain, and this is exactly as it should be for the vast majority of the time. Now when this same person goes into a strong state of fear, what happens is the fight or flight response gets triggered and at that point the neocortex is no longer the central command center of the brain. The R-complex, reptilian brain, becomes the central command center instead. As soon as this happens, there's no longer any ability present to think objectively and rationally because it is not the neocortex, the part responsible for rational thought, that is in control anymore. It is the R-complex that is now in control. So what does it look like when the R-complex is operating as the central command center for the brain? Physiologically, you'll see blood pumped out of the brain and into the extremities of the body, which are the arms and legs. What you'll also see are the other two parts of the brain mirroring the R-complex. When the R-complex is in control and the fight or flight response is activated, you'll see in the midbrain produce the emotion of fear, and you'll also see the neocortex produce fearful thoughts. Here, the limbic system, another name for midbrain, and the neocortex are both mirroring the R-complex when the R-complex is in charge. No parts of the brain are acting independently from each other. This is the reason why you see people act completely irrationally and do insane things until they snap out of it and wonder afterwards how they could have thought the way they did or took the actions that they did. They will only start wondering this and not a second sooner once the fight or flight fear response subsides and the neocortex is put back into the driver's seat of the brain. Everyone has experienced this whether they've recognized it or not. I know I have. When someone is stuck in the fear response, and this response is being mirrored by the other two parts of the brain, consciousness is shut down. The reason why is because when the R-complex is in charge, the limbic system and neocortex are incapable of producing any emotion that is not fear and any thought that is not fear. They can only mirror the R-complex. This is how fear shuts down consciousness. If you can't feel anything other than the emotion of fear, 
and you don't have the ability to think any other thoughts that aren't based in fear, then your ability to accurately understand what's going on inside you and in the world around you has been severely limited. This is why if you know or have ever known a very fearful person, they will endlessly rationalize their fear. Some of these rationalizations will seem reasonable and others will make absolutely no sense at all. There are scenarios where the fight or flight response is useful though. Nature didn't create it for no reason. This is a very useful survival strategy if you live in a small tribe and live a very simple life. If you see a lion out in the wild, the R complex automatically takes over and your instincts compel you to flee to safety. After the threat is over, the neocortex, the thinking brain, takes the reins once again and everything is fine. The problem in modern times is that these threatening tigers are everywhere, but they're not real tigers. They're figurative. These new tigers could be money problems, a stressful job, toxic co-workers, an oppressive government, traffic, etc. The stress just never goes away. Modern society not only puts you into a primal R-complex fear response more often, it puts you there chronically for sustained periods of time, which has serious repercussions. One potential repercussion can be seen in the next example. Everyone has experienced this and there are a lot of different anecdotes that can be used to illustrate the point. One way to make this more clear is to examine romantic relationships you have been in or ones you have witnessed your family or friends being in. Let's say one partner is insecure and strongly fears their partner will cheat on them and leave them. If this fear is strong enough and the insecure partner stays in the fear chronically, every little thing their partner does will automatically be interpreted as showing disdain or disinterest in them. A missed phone call will be interpreted as a precursor to a breakup. A slightly delayed response to a text message will be interpreted as a disinterest in talking. Their partner's body language will be heavily analyzed and be interpreted as being disrespectful or standoffish, etc. There may be some truth in the interpretations, but there may not be either. The point is, the fear state prevented this insecure individual from recognizing other possibilities in each of these situations because the midbrain and neocortex could only mirror the R-complex when it's operating as a central command center and not even entertain any emotions or thoughts that were not fear-based. If you were not being controlled by the R-complex, you'd have the ability to think the following. She missed my phone call. Maybe she was busy doing something else. Maybe she was already on the phone talking to her sick grandmother. Maybe she was driving or taking a shower. She was late in responding to my text message. Maybe she was stuck in her head and wanted to write the perfect response to impress me, and that's why the response was late. Her body language is abnormal. Maybe she stubbed her toe on the way over and she's responding to the physical pain she's in. Maybe she's tired from the day at work she just had. Maybe it's because she just had a fight with a family member. When the R-complex of the brain is in control, all of these other possibilities are ignored and are nearly impossible to recognize. This person isn't just deciding they want to interpret all of their partner's actions through the lens of fear. No one would ever purposely decide to do that unless they enjoy torturing themselves. It's because the fear cycle was automatically triggered, and because it was triggered, the R-complex became the central command center of the brain for a time and shut down the consciousness of the person. This isn't to say fear is always a bad thing. The force of fear is useful, but only when it is used as a tool. However, 
when it becomes the ruler of your mind and you stay in that state of fear chronically, that's when it becomes destructive and deadly. That's all we have time for today. In the next episode, we'll continue to explore the human brain. I'll talk about the left and right hemispheres, artificial and manufactured lack, and go deeper into solipsism and related ideologies. You've been listening to Liberty Solutions Now. Thanks for listening.